Amen. So notice in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23, we're going to focus on that. Amen. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. All right, so let's examine this a little bit. Notice verse 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence. Why? Because out of it are the issues of life. When he's talking about your heart, he's talking about the purpose of guarding your heart with all diligence. Amen. As I mentioned last time, Amy Grant used to have a song out there. Uh, what was the name of it? I said it last time. Amen. Y'all remember what it was? No, 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 no. It's about your heart. Oh, anyway, I'll think about it. I'll, I'll remember it later on. But that song is very important. It's very apropos because it was talking about that very thing, about guarding your heart, about being careful about what you let get on the inside of you. Amen? Because that can affect you negatively or it can affect you positively. Okay? So guard your heart with all diligence. Make sure you put forth the effort to guard your heart. Why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks... Amen. And the Bible says you'll have what you say. So you start saying the wrong things, you'll start having things you don't want. And remember this, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 18, life and death are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. And then in the sixth chapter, it says that we're snared by the words of our mouth. We're taken captive by the words that come out of our mouth. So be very careful about what you let come out of your mouth. Verse 24, watch this. Put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. So you don't want to be speaking different ways. You want to be speaking the same way all the time. Let thine eyes look right on and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. So we started talking about this because of the fact that so many individuals, all of us can, we can get upset about things that we see, things that go on in our lives, go on in our families. Isn't that right? This is a holiday season. Now, I don't know about you, but growing up, holidays was not always my favorite time. Amen? They just weren't. There were some times they were wonderful. There was other times they were horrible. Amen. I don't know if you ever experienced that. Maybe you had the perfect, you know, family. Maybe you're like the Waltons and everybody's, everything's just wonderful. Wasn't that way. Amen. And I know this to be true, that it wasn't that way with a lot of my friends either. Because we would always end up at the same bar. Later on, on Christmas, I mean, on, on, on Thanksgiving night, we had, there was one bar right outside of town, you know, that used to be open, and boy, that place would be packed. All the people that just left Thanksgiving dinner, so I'm sure it didn't all go well with their, their families either. In the same way, Christmas. You understand what I'm saying? Why? Because they weren't always good times. You know, my dad was a great man when he was sober, but he would not be sober on a weekend or on the holidays. And so it could ruin a Christmas real fast. 
because he'd get on one of his drunks, and I mean, he'd go off, and it would be horrible. And that was the last place you wanted to be. So, you know, it's getting, getting to be that time of season, you know, and things happen. And I know myself personally, I was considered the black sheep of the family, you know, and I mean, there was legitimate reasons for that, you know, because I did stupid stuff, but it, so it just wasn't a good time for me. And so you had to guard your heart so that you didn't get calloused. And even after being born again, we went from being black sheep, you know, drug addict, alcoholic to being black sheep, Bible thumping Christian. They just, you know, they still look down on us. And it took years for that to turn around. And so it wasn't, still wasn't the fondest time to go to some of those family functions. Y'all listen to what I'm saying? And so you had to guard your heart. You had to be very careful that you didn't allow yourself to get bitter because of people's conduct or people's actions. And we're living in a society today that, I mean, you just go into the grocery store could be a bad experience. Isn't it true? Our gas station. I mean, there's people that went out to Walmart and got carjacked. So, I mean, you don't know. So you have to guard your heart that you don't get all upset about these things and let those things start dominating your life and cause you to react in the wrong way towards people. Because we're still supposed to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And so we have to be very careful about that. We may not like the way things are going in our nation or our cities or our states. Well, you still have to be careful about guarding your heart. You have to remember that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. This is how Adam kind of came up with the title. We're not wrestling with flesh and blood, but principalities and powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. Amen. Now, that's much better. Somebody say, well, how could that be better to be dealing with or fighting with the devil? Because the devil's defeated. See, we don't have authority over other human beings, but we got authority over the devil. And that's why it's much better for us to be dealing with the devil than it is with actually dealing with human beings. You all understand what we're saying? Turn, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 6. And this is in a lot of areas of our life, whether it's our families, we're still not wrestling against flesh and blood. Yeah, but I raised them kids. It doesn't matter whether you raised those kids or not. You're still not dealing with flesh and blood. You're dealing with the demonic entities that are out there to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And they will use anybody they can. Amen. Amen. Yeah. They'll use you if you're not careful. Yes. Every one of us has been manipulated by the enemy at some time in our life. I'm talking about our Christian life. Because thoughts come to our mind to say things we shouldn't say. And those things we say could be hurtful. They could be out of love. I'm not talking about you know, motivated by love. I'm talking about outside of love. And we could say the wrong thing, and we could be uh, you know, uh, upsetting to people. Yeah. I'm talking about as Christians. That's right. Oh, yeah. that's right. Now, maybe I'm the only one that's ever done that. No. No. Maybe I'm the only one that's ever got upset and said the wrong thing. No. 
We could do it to our spouses, couldn't we? We could get upset about something and we know, how many found out we know every button to push and every lever to pull in our spouse's lives? We know what gets to them. We know the thing to say to get to them the most, don't we? And they know the thing to say to get back at us. That's how things turn into arguments. Isn't that true? Amen. But see, we have to remember, we're not, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. And just like the enemy could use us by planting a thought in our mind and we react to that thought with allow, with not, without allowing the Holy Ghost to arrest us, we fly off of the hand, handle or whatever. That's why we have to guard our heart. That's why we have to endeavor to walk in love. And we have to be sensitive to the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, so that those things don't just come in and pop out. You understand what I'm saying? They don't just come in your ears or in your, through your thoughts and pop out of your mouth before you control it. All of us have the temptation to say the wrong things. But we have to take charge of those thoughts and we have to cast those thoughts down if they exalt themselves against the true knowledge of God. And the true knowledge of God is to walk in love. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, so notice here in Ephesians chapter 6, watch this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take on you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and have in all the stand, stand therefore. Now, we're not going to go into the details of talking about what the armor of God is. We've done that before. And uh, you can go back and watch that on some of our, our uh, videos from before. But we want, to, we want to focus on the fact that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. And so we need to do what the Bible says here. Take the whole armor of God that we may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand. Now, the Amplified Bible says having done all that the crisis demands to stand, keep on standing. So having done all that the crisis demands to stand, well, if it's a crisis, then there's something that it requires for you to be able to stand. And the Word of God will give you the insight or the wisdom to do whatever's necessary to help you to stand and keep on standing. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, back, turn over, if you would, a couple of pages over here to Colossians chapter 2. These are some scriptures that are going to help you to stand when the enemy comes against you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <coughs> Let's start with the eighth verse. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. For in him, that's in Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye, say that's me. That's are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. So notice he's the head of all principality and power. That means, in other words, he has authority over all demonic entities. 
Verse 11, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. See, I'm forgiven. Verse 14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Now watch verse 15. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Hallelujah. So he spoiled principalities and powers. Amen. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. One translation says he reduced him to zero. Talking about the devil. Amen. One translation says he paralyzed him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the devil's been defeated. The devil's been paralyzed. He's been spoiled. So he has no authority in the life of a believer. Amen. Hallelujah. So we need to understand that. So when it comes to thinking about all that the crisis demands to stand, when we're dealing with wrestling against flesh, uh, not flesh and blood, but principalities and powers, we're dealing with an enemy that's already been defeated. He's been paralyzed. He's been reduced to zero. Another translation says rendered to naught. That means the devil's defeated and under our feet. Why? Because if you back up to Ephesians again and look at the first chapter in Ephesians chapter 1, just a few pages back now, he says this, and we'll read, we'll read the whole portion of Scripture, the context of it, verse, beginning with verse 15. Ephesians 1, 15. Wherefore... I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him his own right hand in the heavenly places. Now watch this, verse 21. This is what I want to focus on. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet. Now notice that. Put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now notice he says, all principality and power he has authority over. Amen. Number one. Number two is, is he's put all those things under his feet. Number three, it says, and he's the head of the body. Number four, we're the body. Yeah. 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 
So what's that telling us? That's telling us then that if the enemy has been defeated, if he has been rendered powerless, if he's been put underneath the feet of Jesus, and Jesus is the head of the body, talking about the body of Christ, and we are the body of Christ, that means that if he's under his feet, then he's and the, the feet are in the body, and that, therefore, even if we're part of the, our part of the body is a foot, that means that the devil is underneath us no matter what. Amen. That means he has no authority in our lives. None whatsoever. Amen. So that's why there's no reason for us to get all uptight when we see the devil running amok and acting a fool because he's already defeated. He has no power. He has no authority. Amen. Hallelujah. That authority was transferred to Jesus. Glory to God. Isn't that good news? Amen. Hallelujah. Matter of fact, turn, if you would, back to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, beginning with verse 16 says this, then the 11 disciples, I'll wait just a moment, I still hear pages wrestling. Hallelujah. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Verse 18, and Jesus came and spake unto them saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now, that word power there, the Greek, means authority. It's delegated power. That's what authority is. Delegated power. A classic example of that is in law enforcement. Police officers have delegated power. In other words, they have been given authority to do certain things. Now, don't get me wrong. There's some that do that usurp that authority and do things wrong, but they don't all do that. No, 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 no. Amen. Just like there's some Christians that do some things wrong, but doesn't mean all Christians do. That's right. So don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Okay. But the point we're making is when it comes to delegated power, it's probably the best example you can use. Because a police officer, the badge they wear, the car they drive, the lights that they turn on, all those things is just an aspect of the authority they have. And so they don't have the natural ability to stand in the middle of the highway and stop a 70 mile an hour, 80,000 pound semi truck. They can't stop them physically. They do not have that ability. If they try to stand out there and that person driving that truck has no understanding whatsoever about the authority they have, they'll just run them right over. Isn't that right? But they've got that authority. And so when they turn those lights on, they stand out there with that badge and they stand out there and put their arm up and say, stop in the name of the law. You better put the brakes on 
and make, bring that semi to a screeching halt. Because if you don't, then there will be consequences for your actions. You may physically be able to stop that one individual, but you won't stop what they represent. Eventually, they're going to come after you with whatever they have to muster in order to stop you for doing what you've just done. See, it's delegated power. They don't have the actual physical power. They've got the authority to say it. Well, that's how we are when it comes to the kingdom of God and dealing with the enemy. We don't have the natural physical power or ability to battle against the devil. Because in the natural, he would be a formidable foe. But we don't have to be concerned about it. Because we're not the ones, we're not boxing him. You understand? We're not going to blows with him physically. We don't have to. Jesus took care of all that. And Jesus didn't even go to blows with him. Jesus let him go after him, blow after blow after blow. Because in Jesus' humility and laying his life down and allowing the enemy to take it, having never committed sin, then what he did was he set Jesus free to set all of us free. See, that's why when we think about Luke chapter 4, when Jesus was tempted of the enemy, he resisted the temptation. And in the second temptation, when he took him up onto a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and said, all this authority and all this glory has been given unto me, and I can give it to whomever I will. And if you'll fall down and worship me, all will be thine. Well, what would have happened? See, what did the devil say? He said, all this authority. Think about that. And all this glory has been given unto him. And that was true. Because that authority was originally given to Adam. In the Garden of Eden. When God created Adam breathed in him the breath of life, and Adam became a living soul, then God gave him dominion over all the works of his hands. So what did he do? He gave him the authority over the whole world system. But then he committed high treason, sold this out to the devil, and by doing so, by sinning, rebelling against God, then he transferred that authority that was originally given to Adam over to the devil, and that's what the devil wanted. And so he got the authority to operate the world system, and that's why the world system's so messed up. And that's why 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says that Satan is the god of this world, with a little g, Mm -hmm. because he's talking about the world system. And that's why it's so jacked up. Because the devil's in charge of the system by which it operates. Yes. Now, the thing is, Jesus came as the second Adam. And when Jesus was tempted, just like Adam and Eve, Jesus had to come in the flesh. You all listening? Yes. Did Adam and Eve have the Holy Ghost? They had the glory on them. And the glory and the Holy Ghost are synonymous. They're the same thing. Right. How do we know? They were clothed with it. 
weren't they? They were clothed with glory. That's why they could walk around naked and not feel ashamed. Because they were clothed with God's glory. But whenever they sinned, the glory departed. The Spirit left them. Y'all with me? Jesus, we know this, he was born of a virgin woman. Immaculate conception, the only one ever has existed. And he lived as a human being. And he never sinned. Hallelujah. But then, when he reached the age of 30, he was baptized with John in the Jordan River. After coming up out of the water, the Holy Ghost ascended in bodily shape like a dove and rest upon him. And God spoke from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. In Luke chapter 4, verse 1, and the Bible says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, was led of the Spirit into the wilderness, where he, was, he fasted, and afterward hunger, and he was tempted of the devil. And so the devil came and tempted him, and the first thing he tempted him was in his flesh concerning food. Why? Because the Bible says afterward he hungered. And the devil said, if you're the son of God, command these stones to be made bread. See, I look at that and I think about it this way. The greatest temptation for Jesus was not the hunger part, but that he didn't take a, just, just go and, and, and turn every stone into some kind of bread, turn the whole desert into a bagel factory, just to prove to the devil, I am who I am. Because that's exactly what we would have done. I mean, I'd have had every kind of cupcake, every kind of cake, every kind of thing you could imagine all over the place. You think, if I am, I'm going to show you who I am. But if Jesus would have done that, we'd all been doomed. But he resisted that. Then when the enemy took him up on the high mountain and showed him all the kings of the world in a moment of time and said, now, all this authority, all this glory is given to me, and I can give it to whom I will. And if you'll fall and worship me, all shall be thine. Jesus could at that moment, let's think about it. What the devil said was true. He had that authority. Yeah. He got it from Adam. He wasn't supposed to have it, but he got it. And he said, if Jesus would fall down and worship him, he could give that authority to him. But if Jesus would have done that, he would have short-circuited or short-rooted the authority. Amen. He could have done that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. he could have, yes. And he would have had the authority. And he would have had the glory of it. Right. But he would no longer be able to die. That's right. He would have had the authority, but he could have never gave it to us. Yeah. You see? His goal was not to get the authority for himself. His goal was to get the authority back to the church. Back to the man that he created. That was his goal, and that's why he didn't do it. So thou worship the Lord thy God, him only. Amen. So he could have shortcut the authority, but he didn't. Had he done that, he would have had it but he couldn't have gave it to us. And it was more important for him to get it to us than for him to just have it. 
Are y'all listening? Yes. Why? Because he knew we would have to be here exercising it in this earth in order for his present day ministry to continue and get done what needs to get done. See, the present day ministry of Jesus Christ is through the church. Jesus is not here on this earth, nor is he coming back down here to walk around and stuff like he did before prior to the rapture. And even when he comes in the rapture, he's not coming for that. He's coming to take the church away. But it's after that, it's after tribulation that Jesus is going to come back. Y'all with me? And then we know that he'll be here and he'll, you know, the enemy will be locked up for a thousand years and Jesus will rule on the earth for that thousand year millennial reign. Hallelujah. But we have to operate his present day ministry now. And that ministry is the ministry of reconciliation that every one of us as believers have been given because if we're in Christ, we're new creatures. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. The old moral spiritual condition is gone and new ones come. And we have become Christ ambassadors. Pleading with people, as it were, to be reconciled back to God. Restoring them back to divine favor. For God was personally present in Christ, reconciling the world back to himself. Not imputing or holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them out. For he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin for us who did no sin. That we who did no sin might become the righteousness of God in him. So we have been declared righteous. Righteousness means we stand before God as though sin has never existed in our lives. Hallelujah. There's nothing to be afraid of between us and God if you're walking in fellowship with him. Why? Because you've been declared righteous. It's actually rightness. You have right standing with God. There's not an accusation the devil can bring against you because of Jesus. Yeah, but what if I missed it? That's what 1 John 1 and 9 is for. You confess it and get it out of your life. And the blood continues to cleanse you. Continuously. Wasn't like he didn't know we'd make mistakes after we got saved. He made provision for that. The blood continues to flow. Continues to flow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, so we have authority. Let's look back here now, Matthew chapter 16, or 28, I'm sorry, verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped and some doubted. In verse 18, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, or say that you can say it this way, actually, you could be a good thing to do is draw a little circle around power. Make your little line over to the margin and write authority in there because that's what it is. All authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. What was it the devil said? Remember what the devil said in Luke chapter 4? All authority, all this power, all this glory has been given to me. 
What happened now? What's Jesus saying? All authority, all power is given unto me. Where? In heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. When he said, go ye, at that moment, what he was saying was, now I'm delegating this authority to you. So he said, all authority, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. Now I'm giving it to you. And go ye therefore. And what's the authority therefore? Well, one thing is therefore, teach all nations. <coughs> the word teach there means make disciples. Yes. Go make disciples of all nations. Baptize in them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. So immediately he delegated that authority to us Amen. in the church, in Christ. So when we look at the circumstances and situations going on around us, there's no reason for us to get all uptight about it. I'm not saying that there's not a righteous indignation because that can happen without you ever getting into sin. As long as you keep your heart right. As long as you don't focus on the person that the enemy is manipulating. But rather look at the entity that's obviously behind the scenes pulling the strings because these people are nothing but mere puppets that the enemy is using to try to wreak havoc or steal your joy, your peace, to provoke you to anger, to provoke you to the flesh. And so he doesn't want you to know any of these things because when you start learning about these truths, then you take authority over him and he has to obey. Are y'all listening? Yes. Now, back in the 70s, when I went into the military, it was right at the end of the Vietnam War. And so only two of our class out of AIT had to go to Vietnam. We were all scheduled to go, but then they came out, they changed everything, and they only sent two of us to Vietnam. The rest of us, they sent to Germany. At that time, Germany had, you know, the, the wall was still up. The Cold War was still on. And so there was a 1K zone and there was communist rule. And in Berlin, the city was cut in half. Yeah. Germany, this, the country was cut in half. But then you could go to Berlin you could get on the Autobahn, there was one route that you could go to Berlin and you could do that legally. And then when you got to Berlin, there was a wall right through the middle of town. It was under communist rule. And so the church at that time was underground because you couldn't publicly worship. So they were underground. 
But then they began to pray, to change things, to turn that situation around and to get that wall to come down. Now, what happened was in Poland, Czechoslovakia, those, that area, they tried to do it physically. They tried to do it with guns and ammo. And they slaughtered them. Slaughtered the Christians. And so these individuals in Germany, these pastors, five pastors in particular, they realized we cannot get this wall to come down by trying to do it the same way they did because we do not have the physical ability to do it. Sounds a whole lot like the devil, doesn't it? We don't have the physical ability to go against the devil, but we have the authority to do it. And so they got a hold of a book by Kenneth Hagin called The Believer's Authority. And they begin to study that book and they begin to pray. And they begin to take authority over the demonic spirits that were dominating in Berlin and putting the church down. Now I heard these, was you guys there? Yep. Winter, these pastors testified at Winter Bible Seminar in Tulsa, Oklahoma about what happened and how God turned that thing around. The mayor of Berlin, talking about East Berlin, the mayor of East Berlin had a plot to wipe out the Christians in Berlin, or East Berlin. And so what he wanted to do was he told them, we're going to have a big parade, and we want all the churches to participate and to come out and, you know, and march and all these things. But his plan was that once they got out into the streets, that he would declare them trying to overthrow the city, and he would call for communist troops to come in and massacre them and wipe them out, just like what happened in Poland and the Czech, Czech Republic. But these guys were not doing it in the natural they was doing it in the spirit. They was doing operate in their authority as believers. They learned those truths from that book, very things we're talking about right now. And they begin to exercise authority over a defeated foe, the devil. And so they, by the unction of the spirit, went out and did the parade. But when the mayor went to the communist troops to get them to come, they wouldn't come. They wouldn't go and do what he wanted them to do. So he was left holding the bag. So he orchestrated this whole thing. So he ended up losing his place as mayor. Everybody turned against him. But see, the mayor's wife attended one of these churches. She was born again, spirit-filled believer. The only people that would even speak to the mayor were the born-again believers. So that mayor ended up getting saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. And the wall came down. 
Hallelujah. Without one shot being fired. Amen. And see, this is, what's, this is why we have to guard our hearts. Because we can't operate in fear. And we can't operate in anger. And bitterness. Because our faith won't work that way. And we have to do it by faith. Now, like I said, I'm not saying that there's not a righteous indignation when you hear about, you know, innocent babies being slaughtered or you hear about children being sex trafficked and all those things. Yes, that stirs up a righteous indignation, but you have to understand something about that. You can't let that get in your heart. You've got to guard your heart with all diligence. God didn't fall off the throne because there's bad people out there. He's still on the throne. But why was it that Jesus made sure we got that authority back? Why was it? Because the way God set this thing up, because when God created man and, made, and gave Adam dominion over the earth, and then Adam transferred that over to the devil illegally, but he, I mean, legally, but immorally, he, should, he hadn't hit no moral right, but legally he could do it. He transferred that over to the devil. Now, for God to be able to come in and move and operate in the earth, he needs people. He needs believers. Yes. And that's why I said this before. John Wesley made the statement. He said, it seems that God is limited by our prayer life, that he can do nothing on the behalf of mankind except someone ask him. Why is that? Because he gave the authority to man, man gave it to the devil, so the devil has the legal right to the world system and the way it operates. If God was to just come in and usurp that authority, then the devil could cry foul. God can't do that. Why? Because God's bound by one thing, and that's his word. And he cannot violate his word just like he cannot violate our wills. Because he gave us a free will. And he won't violate our will. That's why he didn't violate Adam's will when Adam transferred that legal lease over to the devil. Even though it was immoral, he couldn't go against his will. Y'all listening? So God needs the church. Now, I've said that before, and I had you know, a pastor friend of mine say, well, you know, I said, listen, I said, think about what we're talking about here. God gave the authority to man. The devil got it from him. Jesus came and restored it back. Now he needs us to operate that authority to release him to do what he's capable of doing. So yes, he does need us. That's why there's a Godward side and there's a manward side. 
Amen. There's a Godward side and manward side to everything. See, unfortunately, we have three kind of three distinct belief systems in the church world. We have those that believe it's all God. He's a sovereign and God just does whatever he wants. And that's just the way it is. And if you know, if he don't want it, it's not going to happen. If he does, he will. Nothing you can do about it. That's not true either. There is a sovereign aspect of God. But not, that's not, the way they use that is not true. It's not, it's not biblically correct. Amen. That's right. There is sovereign moves of God. One of those is the manifestation of working of miracles on his behalf, special faith. When God does something on somebody's behalf, a manifestation of his spirit, that is his sovereignty. That is God's sovereign move of his spirit. Yes. Amen. But when it comes to salvation, the Bible says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Yes. You understand that? Yeah. Multiple times does it say, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Multiple times. It says in Acts chapter 2. It says in Romans chapter 10. Are you listening? But you got a call. You call, you'll be saved. The Godward side was he gave his son Jesus to die for your sin. The manward side is you have to receive that. If you go along with this over-sovereignty movement, then they say, to well, God chooses who's going to go to heaven, who's not, and you have nothing to do with it. And if you're going to go, you are, no matter what you do or how you live. And if you're not going to go, no matter how good you are, you're still not going to go. That right there is a damnable heresy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That can take people to hell. That's right. Then you have those that believe that it's all man. You've got to work your way into heaven. But there's nothing further from the truth there as well. Because our righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. There's nothing we can do good enough to get us to heaven. That's why he gave his son to die for us. But then there's those that believe there's a Godward side and there's a manward side. That's where we are. Because there is a Godward side. God did everything he needed to do. He gave his son Jesus, who died on the cross, who went to hell in our place, who rose again. That's the Godward side. The manward side, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart man believes on the righteous, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You have to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. You don't just get saved because he, he died for you. That's right. he, salvation's available, but you have to receive that's it. Right. That's right. And that's why, listen to me, that's what keeps people out of heaven. Not the bad things that they've done. The price has already been paid for all those things. It's not those things that's been done. Those sins have been blotted out. They've been washed away. Amen. It's the failure of accepting and acknowledging the price that was paid. That's what keeps them out of heaven. Yes, you have to be born again. And by being born again, that means that you're accepting the price that Jesus paid. Acknowledging him as Lord and Savior. That's what gets you to heaven. Your works don't get you to heaven. 
Now, should there be good works after you get saved? Absolutely. You ought to be a different person. You ought to be wanting to do good things and not bad things. Why? Because God's Spirit's living on the inside of you. Y'all with me? Hallelujah. So this authority had to be given to us. That's why Jesus did what he did. That's why he went the way he did. So that he could give that authority to us. He could have had it in Luke chapter 4. But we would never got it. And we'd have went to hell. That's why he wouldn't shortcut it. He knew there was a price that had to be paid. He knew he would be that price. See, if the devil had had any clue, he'd have never crucified Jesus. The devil tried to talk Jesus into getting it that way. A proud way. But Jesus wasn't going to do it that way. He was going to do it a humble way. He humbled himself and became obedient, even unto death, the death of the cross. Hallelujah. And it was through that death, burial, and resurrection that he gave the authority to us in his name. (coughs) Hallelujah. And so that's why we don't have to be concerned When we look at the things that's going on, like I said, there's nothing wrong with righteous indignation. Don't let it get in your heart. Don't let it provoke bitterness. Listen, you can get angry. The Bible's very clear about it. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says that. Be angry and sin not. Anger is a legitimate emotion. There's times we see that God got angry. How angry? Angry enough that he was willing to wipe out all the children of Israel and start over with Moses. And it had not been for Moses who interceded on their behalf that God said, all right, I'll pardon them at your word. I mean, two and a half to three and a half million people could have been wiped out. In a second. But he didn't. He was angry enough to do it. But he didn't. So it doesn't say we can't get angry. That's right. Just don't sin over it. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Are you listening? Amen. Anger is a legitimate emotion. So what did God do? It says he repented of his anger. What does that mean? Repent means to turn away from. So he didn't have to repent because it was sin. No. What did he do? When God, when it says that God repented of his anger, that means God turned from his anger. Why? Because a man that was in covenant with him, in fellowship with him, asked him to. Hello? You don't think some of the things that goes on in the world in which we live today anger God? Huh? If what they did, just that doubt and unbelief of spying out the promised land 
coming back with an evil report of doubt and unbelief, was, that was all it would have took to wipe them all out. Think about that. That's all it was. It was doubt and unbelief that could have caused them all to be wiped out. You don't think when God sees little innocent babies and children and people and women and individuals treated unfairly and wrongly, you don't think that that would hack God off? Oh, yes, it would. If doubt and unbelief would do it, you rest assured you go attacking innocent people and God's going to not be happy about that either. That's why we're here. We're here. What are we here for? We're here to ask God, just like Moses. Lord, they don't know. They don't have a clue. Because if they had any idea of the place they're putting themselves in, they would never do something that foolish. So by us being merciful... It provokes God to extend his mercy. But he's the one that puts the love in us to enable us to be merciful in the first place. Because we wouldn't be without his love. Y'all listen to what we're saying? I remember years ago, Janet and I was attending a Bible study on a Wednesday night. And there was a lady that came to the service. Some of you may have heard this. Some I know you have. Some of you may not have. She came to the service and she had MS very badly. And so we went to pray for her. And when we did, the Lord says, take your hands off of her. He said, I'm not going to heal her. I said, Lord, why? He said, because she gave her soul to the devil. And so she's laying there on the floor. And I just looked at her. I said, the Lord said, you gave your soul to the devil. And she looked at me. She said, well, she said, when that guy walked into my hospital room and asked for my soul so I could be healed, I just gave it to him. I said, but you were a believer. She said, yeah. I said, why would you ever do that as a believer? And I was standing there. I said, Lord, what do we do? He said, ask me for mercy. There were 67 of us in that room that night. We all joined hands around her in a big circle. And she was literally laying in the floor. Crippled up. And we started asking God for mercy. Lord, please be merciful to her. Lord, don't hold what she did against her. Lord, she made a mistake. She missed it. And we just started pleading with God for mercy. Now, how does that line up with Scripture? Isaiah 43, 25, and 26. Plead your case, case before God. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. 
we was pleading her case before God. Crying out to God on her behalf. And God's my witness. Janet was there. Brother Reynolds Thomas, his wife, all of them, all the people that was there. Gina Norma Hans, several of them. My witness. And God was there. We stood there in that circle and we started asking God for mercy. And all of a sudden, I saw a shaft of fire. I mean, I'm talking about little, literal flames come right down through the ceiling and just totally engulfed her in fire. Not in judgment, but in mercy. And she was healed right there in front of everybody. Hallelujah. And she rededicated her life to the Lord. And we laid hands on her and God filled her with the Holy Ghost. She started talking in tongues. Hallelujah. And then the Lord spoke through Brother Reynolds Thomas, Brother Ray Thomas. And that's what the Lord said. He said, because you've shown mercy on her, he said, I will be merciful to you and to your families. For my word says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Hallelujah. That's the merciful God that we serve. But had we not been there to cry out to him on her behalf for mercy, he couldn't have extended that mercy to her. She gave her soul to the devil. She was not in a position to ask for that mercy. We ask for her. And that released God to shower her with his mercy. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. See, our authority goes so much further than what we realize. If we could ever get a hold of it and really walk in it, what we can do is so phenomenal. Just like five pastors could bring down a wall. That's right. It wasn't governments that did it. It was five born-again, spirit-filled pastors in their churches that prayed and operated in their God-given authority and exercised that authority, and that's what caused that wall to come down. And communism crumbled throughout all Eastern Europe because of that. Now think about that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why we have to pray. We can't get all we can't get in the flesh and try to do it in the flesh. That's right. Why? Because we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Because you think, listen to you, you think if people just take out the bad guys that the devil won't raise some more up? Oh yeah. I mean seriously, think about that. 
I know in the natural, there's just, you know, sometimes you just have that Popeye moment. You've had all you can stands and you can't stands no more. But you can't operate in the flesh. The flesh does not get it done. You've got to operate in the spirit. And this is the thing. Remember, this is delegated power. That police officer only has the authority that the state gives him or the county gives him or the city gives him. That's why if he's a city cop, he's only got jurisdiction in his city. He's only got authority within the parameters of that city. If he's a county cop, he's only got it within the parameters of that county. If he's a state cop, he's only got it within the parameters of that state. You can't go across that river. You don't have authority over there. But I'm a cop. Doesn't matter. If you're an Illinois cop, you don't have the authority in Missouri. You don't have the authority in Indiana. You don't have it in Kentucky. You don't have it in Wisconsin. Only in Illinois. Y'all listening? We're born again believers. This is the difference. We are citizens of heaven. We're citizens of the United States. We're citizens of the state of Illinois. We're citizens of St. Clair County or whatever county you live in. We're citizens of the states or the townships we live in. We've got authority in all of these realms. That's right. But it's authority. We don't have the physical ability to go in and start just wiping people out and driving people out and doing this and doing that. That's, that's not, not how it works. We've got the authority. That delegated power. Yes. And it's in a name. Turn to Mark 16. And then I'll have to stop after this. Are you getting anything out of this? Now, it doesn't mean there's not things we don't do, that we do in the natural. We do things in the natural. That's the one thing. We vote. Because yeah. we're citizens, we vote. You can't complain. You understand? Moan and groan if you don't vote. That's right. That's right. That's part of what you do. Amen. And as Christians, we don't vote our pocketbook. Hello? We don't vote along party lines. We vote based upon this book right here and what God's word says and how does what they do line up with what God says. That's what we do. And I know a lot of churches don't want to talk about it, but it's a fact. It's what we do. We're supposed to. We have to stand before God for what we do along these lines. Mark 16, watch what he says here. Verse 15, he appeared, and he said to them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. There's how the authority is released. In his name. The name that's above every name. 
that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father in heaven, in earth, and under the earth. In all realms, his name's above every name. And it's through that name that we exercise the authority he gave us. Remember what he said? All power, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. You go with it. You use that authority. You exercise that authority. Why? Because the devil's defeated. I spoiled him. I reduced him to zero. I rendered him to naught. I paralyzed him. I stripped him of his power. I stripped him of the glory he had. I stripped him of all of that and defeated him. And listen, remember what, they, what the Pharisees wanted Jesus to do? They wanted him to be like David and go to war. Remember that? They thought when the king, when, when, when the redeemer came, that they was going to be like David, he was going to go to war. And it was going to be through a, a, you know, a battle, a bloodbath. That's not, it was a bloodbath, all right, but it wasn't that kind of battle. He gave his blood. He shed his blood. He laid his life down. He didn't even fight the devil. He gave of his life. Don't you realize that if he didn't give it, there was no way anybody could take it. There was no power on this earth. No power in the universe strong enough to take his life. He had to lay it down willfully. And boy, he did too. Thank God he did. And he gave that authority to us. And that's why he couldn't shortcut it. That's why he had to go all the way to the cross. And he listen, he didn't stop at the cross because he went from cross to hell. And then he took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. You don't think that hair lift the devil? When he walked over to him and snatched the keys out of his hand, give me them keys. And went straight to Abraham's bosom. Unlocked the door. Pulled that door open and said, I'm the one you've been waiting on. And he led captivity captive. And he came up out of that grave. And he didn't come up alone. Because in this very same chapter it says, and they saw the Old Testament saints walking through the streets of Jerusalem. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Talk about a parade. Amen. He paraded them all right out of Sheol. Amen. Abraham's bosom, the place of departed spirits. He paraded them all right out of there. Right past the devil, I'm sure. And right back into this earth. Hallelujah. And 40 days later, he took them straight to heaven. Praise God. Hallelujah. 
So we've got that authority in the name of Jesus. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. But principalities and powers that are defeated, powerless. Hallelujah. And so when we speak that name, remember what I said about the police officer? See, he in of himself physically is not capable. But all that backs him up, the rest of that department, then the county comes in, if it's a city cop, then the county comes in and helps, then the state comes in and helps, then the National Guard comes in and helps. They got all that they need. And if their National Guard's not enough, you get some from other states. They'll come in. Well, what's that do for us in this situation? We use that name that's above every name and all the hosts of heaven will be dispatched. They're the ones that do the battle. All we do is speak the word. And when we speak the word, that releases God's hands. And the angels are dispatched to go to battle. That's why when Isaiah said, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. And it literally means and drive them back. The standard he's talking about is a battle flag. That's what a standard is. They call the American flag a standard. They used to use flags years ago when they went to battle. They didn't have communication. They didn't have comms like we have today. They didn't even, you know, they didn't even have walkie-talkies. They had to use flags. And so the armies, the way they knew to go to battle is they would raise the flag for charge. And when they raised that flag, they knew, we're going at it. Well, that's what the Spirit of God does. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Holy Ghost will raise up that battle flag. And when he does, the host of heaven are dispatched. They know when they see that flag, the war's on. Hallelujah. And what provokes him to raise that flag? The believer. When we speak the word. Hallelujah. Did you get anything out of this at all tonight? But you got to guard your heart. You got to do it with all diligence. You can't let bitterness, anger, hatred, you can't let that get in you. You can't let some of these people out there that are using whatever they can to provoke you to think wrong thoughts, to act ugly. No, you can't do it. They want to act ignorant? Just let them act ignorant. That's what the Bible says. Let the ignorant be ignorant still. Amen. Hallelujah. But we don't have to be ignorant with them. We got to take our authority. And this is what the devil's trying to stop us from doing. That's why he don't want preachers preaching the truth of the word. Because everything we do has to be based on the word. Amen. But it works. 
this stuff works. That's right. Hallelujah. I'll give you one, one more quick illustration before we go. Okay. There was a uh, missionary in Mexico. And he picked up a guy and was giving him a ride. Guy pulled a gun on him, took him out in the middle of nowhere. Made him get out of the car. Took his watch. Took his clothes. Literally took all of his clothes. Made him strip down naked. Stood right there. Pointed a gun at him. Point blank range. And pulled the trigger twice. And both times the bullets went right between his legs. And so the robber jumped in the car and took off. And the missionary said, I was standing there. I heard him tell the story. He said, I was standing there. And he said, I thought about it for a minute. And he said, bless God. He said, I don't want to be out here naked. And he said, I want my clothes. I want my watch. My wife gave me my watch. I want my watch. And I want my car back. And he said, devil, he said, I take authority over you, lying spirit. I command you to bring my car back, my clothes back right now in the name of Jesus. And he said, I was standing there start naked. He said, all of a sudden, I saw a cloud appear coming down the road. And he kept getting closer and closer. Here that guy was. He pulled right up. Got out of the car. Gave me all my clothes. Gave me my watch. Got born again. Got filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Amen. He said, I got dressed. And he said, we just drove on down the road praising the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. See, that's authority. That's authority. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you that your entrance of your word gives us light. It gives us understanding. And Lord, all of us, we have to be careful. We have to guard our hearts because Lord, our, our flesh wants to rise up. We want to do things in the natural. We just do. But Father, we know we have to stay in the spirit. No matter what, we have to stay in the spirit. Walk in our authority as a believer and do it in line with the word. And Father, we thank you, Lord God, that the Holy Ghost is here to help us. And Lord, just like you said to us, when we ask you to be merciful to that girl. Lord, you said you'd be merciful to us. Father, we're asking you to be merciful to some of these people and what they're doing because they surely don't have a clue. I'm convinced some do. Some do. They willfully, they're submitted to the devil. Some of them giving their souls to the devil. But Father, we still ask you to be merciful because she gave her soul to the devil. And when we ask you for mercy, you gave her mercy and you restored her. And Father, we thank you, Lord God, for being a merciful God. And we thank you, Lord God, that you've given us authority here in the name of Jesus. Lord, to work together with you as co-laborers. And Lord, that's one way that we work with you. And when we pray and we ask you to move, Lord, that releases you to move and manifest in this earth. And Father, we want you moving on a regular, consistent basis. And Father, we thank you, Lord God, as you continue to give us revelation, you continue to give us light, we will walk in that light and we will benefit from it and be a blessing to your kingdom and the world in which we live. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah.